Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer, the great Teddy Atlas, coming to you today from training camp for Alex the Nail Vosdick. Teddy, how you doing? Good. I mean, I'm in camp, so uh, I'm already in that mode, in that place of, you know, uh, worry time. I mean, it's... You know, I'm not looking for any any pity parties or any, uh, you know, anybody feeling sorry for me. I'm privileged. Pre pressure is a privilege. And um, having an opportunity to do something special with a special person is a privilege. But the responsibility of it is there. And you feel it. You feel it every day. And it's, uh, it's a worrying business. It's a worrying business, baby. And... You're my assistant, so that's something I worry about, too. Yep, surprise announcement. <laughs> For those who might not know, I've been uh, assisting Teddy with this training camp, and to say it's been an eye-opening experience would be a um, gross understatement. Uh, it's been an incredible uh, experience, incredibly steep learning curve, and, um, yeah, to see you in camp is uh, quite a contrast to your everyday personality, to say the least. Like you would say, I think that uh, your description of pressure as a privilege would be a excellent description of how things seem. A lot of pressure, no, no, uh, all business, and deadly serious. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a serious business. It's, uh, you know, somebody's future, and maybe more, is on the line. And you have responsibility for that, you know. I have responsibility for this kid, and you don't want to fail that. You don't want to fail that, and you don't want to fail that trust because you can't do it without his trust. Yeah. So you don't want to – you do not want to fail. And every day is a piece of the puzzle that you're trying to put together. You're trying to put it together perfectly so it comes together at the right time. And you're always weighing both ways. You know, did I do this right? Did I do this enough? Did I do this too much? You know, do I need to pull back here? Do I need to push ahead here? Where's the calendar? Where are we at? What's the time? You know, um, what did we do yesterday? What are we doing tomorrow? So uh, everything is accumulative. Everything is building. You know, what you do today doesn't get lost tomorrow. It's still there. You have to obviously account for that. You have to weigh that in your judgments. It's the physical, it's the emotional, it's the mental, and it's the technical. So it's all those things, and um, and you hope you hit it right, and then we hope we hit it right. Yeah, so far it's been an excellent experience, and we have uh, Chris Camacho here with us as well in camp uh, on the strength and conditioning stuff and the cooking, and he's been doing a great job. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's been a great experience so far, and look forward to uh, continued success. Let's talk about some fights. Yes, sir. First, let's talk about the, uh, speaking of light heavyweights, let's talk about um, Sergey Kovalev against Anthony Yard this past weekend in Russia. Coming into the fight, uh, Kovalev was a significant uh, favorite. And uh, to use one of your quotes, uh, I think you said that if Yard were to knock out Kovalev, he may be able to get away with a split decision in Russia. And Believing that myself, I bet heavily on Kovalev and to say that I was having a bit of a panic attack in the eighth round when Yard had him hurt and badly hurt, bad enough for um, uh, Kovalev's trainer, Buddy McGrath, to tell him, you better show me something. In other words, I'm getting ready to stop this if you don't get it going here. And uh, Kovalev was able to come out and turn it around and stop him in the ninth. They were both just dog tired and I stopped him with a jab, basically stopped him with exhaustion. Yard just seemed to collapse and say basically i got nothing left but i've been curious to hear what you think about the fight we've purposely not spoken about it so i'm looking forward to hearing your comments well first of all i'm glad in a selfish way that the kovalov pulled it together survived that eighth round because reports to me i was uh you were here in camp already i wasn't here yet me and alex came down sunday morning you were here setting up everything as i asked you to and I appreciate that. And I heard you were out on the ledge. And I said, I have to look for another assistant. I got to find another assistant, you know. And uh, 
but <laughs> thankfully, uh, thankfully, Kovalev, for your sake and for my sake, having an assistant, pulled it together. You got pulled back inside the <laughs> apartment, and you're here, and I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to segue off of what you started with, the location, because I always talk about geography being so important in this sport. Inside the ring, a fighter fighting at the location he should that benefits his physical assets, his abilities, his advantages, stays away from his disadvantages, you know, and... If a, if it's a tall, thin guy, he's maybe he should be fighting on the outside. If it's a, you know, a guy who's more physically superior, uh, especially if he's a body puncher, he should be trying to get into the closer dimensions of of the you know of the ring and and snuggle up, so to speak, to the guy. Geography is so important. Geography where a fight is. We're so used to saying, well, as you just pointed out. The first thing you think about is it's in Russia. The only way that, you know, you win is if you knock him out and then you pray it's not a split decision. Um, and the other guy's home, not only hometown, but home country. So everyone figured that if it played, it would play into a decision. That if it did go to a decision, that there's no way Kovalev doesn't get to fight. I mean, that's what it, that's what it's about. And that's why the odds, one of the reasons... The odds were so high. Besides the fact that Kovalev's the more experienced guy, the you know the champion, um, the guy who's been in with the much better opposition, uh, all of that, we know that he can, what he can do at that level. We didn't know about Yardley. It was a question mark. Uh, is it Yardley or Yard? Yard. Yeah, Yard. But it's got an E at the end. Y A R D E. Thank God he didn't go that extra yard. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be, I'd be here, I'd be here. We, we'd be lame, we'd be lamenting Ken Rideout in his short career in the <laughs> podcast business, and and it was a promising career. It was a, it, it was a really, you know, everybody was enjoying it, was doing real well, and 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 he's missed. But thank God that didn't happen. It was all, so everybody would think. It's just, you know, a foregone conclusion. Go, he, both guys finish on their feet. Go home. You don't have to wait to hear the announcement. But that wasn't the relevance of the geography of this fight, of it being in Russia, Ken. And I see the way you're looking. You're, you're looking like, okay, where, where's he going with this? The relevance was, and, and I'm going to recap the fight, but I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump ahead to the eighth round when you almost jumped. <laughs> and where, as you said, it looked like he was gone. And where Kovalev was gone. A little bit similar to Alvarez. A few fights ago, he got knocked out by Alvarez. Where he didn't find a way back from from those dark lights. He didn't find the way. He got hurt. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not saying he submitted. But I'm just saying he didn't demand that he get through it. That he put on those fog cutters like you do in your car when you got to get through that fog. And you get through it. He didn't do that. And he didn't get through the Alvarez fight. There was a moment there I looked into his head. And if you know what you're looking for, you can see certain things. And that moment was there. A similar thing. He was hurt. He was lost. He was in those dark streets, in the mist, in the fog. Kovalev being he. And he was this close to being gone. The geography saved him. He could not come back in front of that crowd. That's the difference. And that's something that nobody's talking about. Mm -hmm. I get it. But... That's what I believe won this fight for him. Mm -hmm. That he was reminded you can't lose in front of your people. These are serious people. These are his people. This is where he comes from. They're hard people. They demand hard things. You're fighting, you're representing them. Nationalistically, you're representing the homeland. You're representing them. 
They demand that you behave like a fighter, like a champion. You find a way. When he was on the brink, and he was on the brink, there's no doubt about it. When he was on the brink, when he was on the edge of that cliff, ready to go off that cliff, he said, I can't go. I can't. These people wouldn't allow him to go because he knows what he would have to live with with those people there. If that fight was somewhere else, Yard is champion. Go ahead. Go go crazy, you guys. <laughs> they go ahead, will. Go crazy. You, they will. You, you don't know? have to tell them. Go crazy! <laughs> but <clears throat> that's what I believe. And I give all credit to him, to Kovalev. He showed heart. He showed grit. He showed championship form. All the credit in the world because he did it. I was actually But I'm quite saying impressed. where he got help from. Yeah. He got help from a dimension, from an outer limits. Mm-hmm. And we all get help from those places. If we know how. If we know how to call for it. You know if what we're connected was- to it, if we care about certain things, if you care strongly enough, there's certain things that matter more than pain. Mm. That matter more than a moment. That you know is going to last. He understood that. It's a little similar in some ways to Fury. When Fury fought Wilder and he was flat on his back with the second knockdown in that fight, and he's, he's laying there like he got shot. Mm-hmm. Like, like you with that gun where you shoot these flies. <laughs> with my assault gun, which shoots salt at the, at the fly. You're shooting flies. <laughs> my kids love that thing. Peter, what is that? Peter? Peter? The, Peter. Peter? Yeah. They don't care about flies, right? No. All right. So we're safe. <laughs> we're okay. I'm not even going to ask you if you shoot anything else. No. No, I'm sure you don't. You're a good person. When he was laying there flat on his back, he's gone. It looked mm-hmm. like the lights were on. He's lucky he had that ref. Some refs would have just caught it. Yeah. I, I agree with ref. you 100%. Good ref. Yep. And he didn't just assume. Mm-hmm. He did his job, and he he waited it out. But otherwise, someone else stops it. He's laying there. Something flashed in his head, and he changed his mind. Something brought him back. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the fibers. It wasn't just the, the, the neutrons, the nuance that mm-hmm. go through us, the electric stimuli that goes through our veins and... You know, goes to our brain, goes to our toes, goes to our fingertips. It wasn't just that. It was something here. It was something here. It was uh, he saw something. This is a kid who was on the brink, Fury, and I, I love him. I think he's great for the sport. It's a great story. He's on the brink. He had decided he didn't want to live no more. Nobody should decide that. Nobody should decide to throw away the great gift of life. I feel terrible when I hear that. And he was on the brink. He's a great story. Again, I can't get enough of Fury. I like him to fight, you know, somebody that um, that you wouldn't have an even chance with. <laughs> okay, is that fair? Is that, fair. Is that too much? I that's mean, fair. That's all I'm saying. But I love his story. I love what he represents. He represents life. He represents redemption, a second chance, not giving up. And when he was laying there, Something flashed. Maybe it was a sunset. Maybe a sunrise. Maybe he went back to when he didn't want to live anymore. And he remembered, bang, that he still wanted to live. Mm-hmm. Like an alarm clock going off in the middle of the night, shocking you, waking you, yep. reminding you of where you needed to be, what you needed to do. And he got up. Kovalev had a little bit of a similar experience. He was standing, but he was close. He was close, and I believe his geography, those Russian people, where he was, what that would mean if he caved, if he he allowed himself to go to the abyss. He understood that, and he pulled himself back. Mm -hmm. He pulled himself back. Now, did he get help physically? I'm talking about that eighth round, that he didn't disappear. He Mm -hmm. didn't go to that place. But did he get helped in the next round where the other guy looked like he spent all his petrol? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, did he get? Then he boxed, and he got back on the outside geography. Mm-hmm. Geography, where he boxed on the outside, and he stayed out of the wheelhouse of yard, of his physical advantage of physicality, and strength and power, and boxed and broke him down. Yes. But that's the interesting part. And that's why I start there. That's why I start there. Because for me, that fight's not there. Again, there's another champion. Mm-hmm. There's another champion. There's a real good chance he doesn't survive that eighth round. Now, I'll recap the fight. The fight is, uh, for the most part, controlled by Kovalev. He's, he's a more experienced guy. He's the superior boxer. What was Yard? Yard was a game guy. He was a gritty guy. He was an unknown quantity. He was a guy who had not fought or been tested or fought anybody of any level. Chosen guys. He fought. Uh, He was a guy who had never been down the dark streets, the mean streets, where Kovalev had, where he didn't know if he could come back, if he could find his way, when the lights are smashed out. You know, when lights are smashed out, it's hard to find your way. The only way you find your way back is you know the way. You have to know the way. You have to have been there. Otherwise, you can't find your way back in the dark. And when he got to the dark, he couldn't find his way back. But in that fight, again, Yard is a big, light heavyweight. Big, strong, physical, good power, but wide with his punches. His technique not as clean as Kovalev. Not as sophisticated. And he's one-dimensional. Not the fastest feet. Plotting. You know, predictable. Right there in the same place coming in the front door. And Kovalev was able for the most time to navigate his way around him. Navigate his way around the ring. In the ring. Was able to control things. Outbox him is the simple terms. But... The advantages, also the jab of Kovalev. Dominating a fight, controlling a fight. The most dominating part of his greatest advantage from the physical standpoint of some kind of, you know, physical asset was his jab. His punches were clean, as I said. Also, Yardy, one punch at a time. Maybe two. Mm. But combinations from Kovalev. Not real creative ones, you know, mostly, you know, one, two, one, two. So one, two, three, four. But four punches, five punches, three punches. The other guy, one. It's a lot easier to deal with one than it is to deal with four. More control over a guy when you hit him with four than when you're trying to hit him with one. So the jab, combination punching, the ability to use the ring, mobility, more dimensional, Kovalev. Again, I said it. Yard, one-dimensional. So all of that was playing out. Where Kovalev's in control of his fight. And another thing, Yard has a terrible habit from a techno st- standpoint of laying his head over here on the right side where you're in the power lane of the right hand. Kovalev's got a good right hand. That's probably his Sunday punch. Where you're laying over there on that side. You should be finishing your head movement on the left side. Outside the right hand. Outside it. Not here. See here? Bang. Over here? No. And he paid a price for that. He didn't correct that. And there was no... Again, the jab was the big advantage. There was no real jab... uh, answer from Yardy for the most part but then after control by Kovalev somewhere around the sixth round excuse my if I don't have it exact but somewhere around there just the steadiness the doggedness the grit the determination of Yardy which he was showing taking punches but yet continuing to plot forward Mm -hmm. It looked like it was starting to wear out. It was having a toll on Kovalev. He was yep. starting to wear. He was starting to give. He was starting to break a little bit. It was starting to show. 
He was starting to make inroads. And Kovalev was slowing down. And you could see it the seventh round. Same thing. Just the pressure alone. Pressure breaks pipes. Pressure deteriorates people. The hot sunlight evaporates puddles in the middle of the summer. It evaporates water. Pressure can evaporate people. And he started to evaporate to a certain degree, Kovalev, a little bit. And then the eighth round, and he was dominant. And he put him on the brink. And I already covered that. Kovalev, because I believe, like, you're a runner. You run marathons. You hit that wall. And sometimes you need something to get you past that wall. Sometimes it might be the heavens. They open up and they hit you with a refreshing rain and whoa, you're able to get through. The refreshing rain was the crowd. Again, the reminder, I cannot fail. I cannot give in. I have to find a way. And he found a way to survive that round. And then he, he came back in the ninth round. He went back to boxing. As I said, Yardy was, looked like he was, he was out of uh, fuel. And it looked like Kovalev was going to stop him. And he did stop him. The one thing that I say was that jab that people scoff at and say, oh, he stopped him with just a jab. Try it. Try it. Tell your wife to throw a jab at you from here. Pow! Right from here. Straight jab as you're throwing a wide punch and hit you right on the chin. All right? And then um, and then make sure that your friends never find out about it. <laughs> okay? Make sure they never, they never find out about it. And then take her out to dinner and buy a rose so she doesn't use that weapon again. That you just showed her. Okay? Because a jab on the chin can be extremely effective. It could be the same as any other punch, a right hand. People don't realize it's where you land and it's if you don't see it and unexpected, it was it was time perfect. It was in the middle of a wide left hook. And that was one of the problems again. Yardi's punches were wide. He should have went to a butcher, you know, before he got on a, I love you people over across the pond, by the way. Send my love. Always do. I miss you. Haven't talked to you for a while. Um, but she went to a butcher over there before he got on the plane to go to Russia, you know, and chop off a little fat from those punches. His punches were too wide. He Kovalev, definitely didn't have any body fat. The guy no, looked like no. a fitness model. But Kovalev's punches were straighter. Yep. And, and, the straight jab in between that wide left hook landed right on the chin. And was he exhausted? Yes. Yes. Had he looked like he lost his will to find his way back, to fight it off? Yes, but there was a perfectly timed jab that right on the button. Did the other things play in? Yeah. Yeah. But that that was, for me, That's that's the... That's the accounting of the fight. That's the rewind of the yeah. fight from my eyes and my experience. And uh, you couldn't have written a better script for Kovalev to go back home and to be the hero and to win that way. You could not have written it better. Could not have. If you, if you hired Oliver Stone, <coughs> you know, you couldn't, have, you couldn't have gotten a better script and a better finish. I mean, the manager, Agus Klimas, you know, he, he probably uh, he probably lost what he ate for supper that night. <laughs> yeah, he didn't look, he, he didn't know, look too confident in the eighth little, round. No, he had, a, he had a few palpitations going on. For sure. Right? For sure. But he got through it. The fighter got through it. And at the end, the result was magnificent because now with that fight, with that win, with that drama, now they're going to fight Kovalev. They're going to try to make the Kovalev. I'm sure they will. Canelo. Canelo, I'm sorry. They'll make the Canelo fight. I'm sure they will. 
It's just a matter of making it in November. And from my, what my sources tell me, they had agreed before when they were trying to make the fight a couple months ago. Yeah. They had agreed to $12 million, mm-hmm. I, I believe my sources. I think they just added a couple million on to that. I well, think they just added two or three million on. And the fact that Canelo wants to fight, the zone wants him to fight November before the year ends. Yes. They have to get that in. It'll be, a, it'll for, be their for, biggest fight of November, and they've had a big one in September. They have a big one in October. But to, to touch on what you said about the perfect ending, the perfect story for Kovalev coming back to Russia and winning the way he did, it was also perfect, like you just described, for his career because – I think now Canelo has to see that and say, okay, one-dimensional guy almost put him away in the eighth round. Guy who didn't really have much experience. He had 18 fights coming in. So now Canelo's looking at it. Kovalev has a ton of leverage, right? Everyone knows the zone needs to get Canelo busy in November. If it was 12, Kovalev has all the leverage now. Canelo's probably licking his chops thinking, just make the fight. And Kovalev's in the driver's seat to say, here's what I want. If you want me on this date, who else is going to Canelo going to fight? They've already said... Publicly, that they're holding out the same. They have all the leverage. They have all. They have all. You're right. So perfect story for his career. Everything. Big payday. Perfect storm. They they have all the leverage. Again, uh, they earned themselves a bonus. They're probably tacking a couple million dollars onto that twelve million dollar number. And listen, I'm going to say things that we do it all that's not said on other places. Mm -hmm. I don't care if people don't like me. I don't care because I don't pretend to go to bed at night and say these people care about my family or they care about me or they care about him or that they're worth caring about themselves. That I just want to say what I know to be or to believe to be true. If it adds to the show, if it, if it in any way can be worthwhile of merit to this sport, to this business, to what we offer, to what we try to bring, the guy that was hired that had to resign from ESPN, John Skipper, the head of ESPN, who's now the CEO or whatever his title is at the zone, uh, he's on the hot seat. To say the least. He's in the hot seat. Hasn't been doing a great job. And they've laid out a lot of money. They need to they need to sell a lot of subscriptions. A lot of subscriptions, baby. And he, his backside's on the line. And so with all of that in the backdrop, again, Kovalev's in a sweet place. Mm-hmm. He's got to make this fight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the billing, it's, it's the billing t- the, w- w- at the end of the month, it's the billing cycle. Mm-hmm. They have, you said it beautifully, they have a big fight and with, uh, they have the Golovkin fight with Darren Chanko. October. They have. Loma in September. Yep. They have Loma. Well, actually the, that's, the Loma fight is on ESPN. Sorry, yeah. It's on a plug, on on ESPN plus, but it's okay. They have, in December, of course, they have to rematch. It's a big fight, the heavyweight fight, which is tremendous drama and, you know, people that are expecting that. November is open. November is empty. They have to have a significant fight with a guy that they've committed $360 million to. Adding to the drama, they've already let, uh, they've already have Triple G signed up for a date with someone else, so with Derechenko, so he's not available, so they don't even have that card to play against Kovalev if you overplay your hands I here, think they, we'll I'm going to so give you something so. else. Talk about giving a little extra. All right? I'm not, I'm going to, I'm not positive, but I wouldn't be shocked if they had to open the vault a little more to give a little extra to Triple G because as far as I know, it was in his agreement when he signed with the zone that he was going to get a third fight with Canelo. He didn't get it yet. Right now, it looks like he might not get it. He might still get it, but right now, he didn't get it. And from what I hear, he was threatening. They wouldn't breach. Triple G was threatening. I don't know positive, but I'm 
pretty good sources that he was talking about skipping town, getting out of Dodge, baby, leaving the zone, maybe. Because, again, an opening for him to do that because they weren't fulfilling the commitment that he signed believing he would get another Canelo fight at the end of the rainbow. So they can't lose Triple G. They can't let that happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got a few more, you know, shekels, <laughs> you know, to, to, to fight Devin Shanko. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure there. There's a lot going on there where the zone is, you know, bleeding a little money here and there. Mm-hmm. And they need to make sure that their golden goose, the golden goose of all of boxing, Canelo, the pay-per-view king, with that great Latino following, great that he fights a significant opponent. 100%. And it's... And Kovalev, again, has all the leverage. And the leverage maybe in the side of winning if the fight happens, is probably on the side of Canelo because he's going to get a guy who's an older guy who's got one foot out the door, who's vulnerable, and he showed that in the fight. He's vulnerable, just came off a really tough fight, and he's not going to get any rest Yep. for the most part. Yep. And he's going to go right in. So they got the edge there. But the other guys that get paid pretty damn good mm-hmm. to, to, to do it. Before we get into the Loma discussion, Teddy, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, MyBookie. Um, these guys have been great to deal with. As I just mentioned, I used them extensively. I bet on Kovalev this past weekend. This year, MyBookie is uh, hosting their first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least 100 grand. It only costs 100 bucks to enter. All you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. They offer live in-game betting on every NFL game. Use the promo code ATLAS to get 100% credit on your first deposit up to $1,000. So if you deposit $1,000, they'll give you another $1,000 to play with. Like I said, I've been using these guys extensively, and uh, they're a pleasure to deal with, and they're great to do business with as well. And I know with the NFL season coming up in uh, less than two weeks that um, – But the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> I was going to say, who do, you, who do you like this year in the Oakland Super Bowl? Raiders. <laughs> For those who might not know, Teddy's son is a senior scout with the uh, Raiders, doing a great job with those guys. Assistant uh, director of scouting, to be exact. Big title. He's been all over the uh, Pacific Northwest recently. Yeah, yes. He's been like uh, that Johnny Cash song. You know, I've been everywhere, man. I've been doing my own path. Just one after another. And, And the road got a lot of dirt. Yeah. And he's a great kid, and I love him, and I miss him, and I... I miss my wife. I miss my daughter, who's seven months pregnant, who insists she's going to be at this fight. <laughs> which she, her delivery date is three days later, and she insists. And I said, this, we were home before I left. I said, you, you listen, I love you. I want you, but you, you can't be at the fight. I, I can't be up in the corner. And then I hear people saying, she's in labor. <laughs> I, I can't. And round four, <laughs> it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, Ken. And uh, God, so but she's the greatest mother. Oh my God, what if a mother! If they say what a round daughter. four and she goes into labor, you're gonna say, "Ken, go help Nicole," or "Ken, stay with Alex." Go help Nicole. <laughs> I'll take care of this. I'll take care of this. Can I you got just it. lie and say, I "Ken, got... I know you got it under control in the fight." All right, <laughs> I, I know you have it under. But you know, three days later, she's but she says she's gonna be there. So we were talking about it. And I, I turned to my wife. I said, Elaine, come on, you know, talk to her. Mm. And she said, it's your, that's your daughter. It's your fault. That's your daughter. She's you. You know what I She's bet my you. bookie's going to make a line on? Will Nicole Atlas be at the Valsdick Better Be Ev fight? You hear me, my bookie? I want to see a line on that. Anyway, check these guys out. Mybookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag. Use the promo code ATLAS. Deposit a thousand, they'll give you another thousand to play with. Anyway, let's talk about Lomachenko and uh, Luke Campbell. Both gold medalists. Yeah, pretty special. 
both goes medal. Of course, Lomachenko is very special. He's the number one fighter in the world, I believe. And Crawford he's got two gold medals. Two or number one. Either way, you mm-hmm. can slide either one in. And he's a two-time gold medalist. Uh, and Campbell's at home. What did we talk about earlier, right? With the Kovalev fight, geography, mm-hmm. the fight, you know, the significance of the fight. So he has another twist. I made a twist on the last one, right? Yeah. Where you thought the significance, what was really relative there, was that Kovalev could not lose a fight as long as he was standing. Mm-hmm. And even maybe not standing. Yeah. <laughs> he could not lose in Russia because no. of where that fight was. So it's only fair where a lot of people say, well, if Campbell can get through and be a little competitive, maybe, speaking of my bookie, maybe I go over there and I take a flyer on a huge underdog because of geography of what Teddy talks about, that the fight's in London. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Not when your promoter, Bob Arum, has the influence and control over the organizations that decide who the judges are. It could be in Timbuktu. <laughs> it, it could be in the north side of the moon. In Campbell's basement. It could be in Campbell's basement. <laughs> Aaron will make sure that he's got, that's how boxing works. That's where geography doesn't matter because judges can travel. Yeah, they can travel. They get visas. They get passports. They, they they can travel. They go to and, Australia? Yeah. They go over to London. The right guys will be there. Aaron will make sure that if there's somebody he doesn't like, he will reject them. They will do their job because you have the ability to do that in boxing, that you can reject guys, and you can basically place who you want to place in there. And you can be sure that geography will have nothing to do with it, even if it had become or did become a competitive a little bit competitive fight where Campbell would have an edge no it comes down not to geography it comes down to who the judges are the right judges will be there as far as to protect top ranks interest with Lomachenko or the wrong judges as far as Campbell's involved but at the end of the day it's not going to matter because you still have to be standing for it to go to the judges and I don't believe Campbell will be standing Campbell, he was on the floor in both his losses. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Lenari's loss. He also lost, I believe it was to Mendy. That's and, right. And he was on the floor in that fight. So he was on the floor in both losses. I'm not saying that that's the end all to all. I'm not saying that. But if he's on the floor with both of those level fighters, good chance, my bookie, see what you can find with these exotic bait bets where you can do those those um prop bets those prop bets see if you can find one because there's a damn good chance if they put him on the floor Loma will put him on the floor but the difference with Loma putting him on the floor he'll keep him on the floor because he's a tremendous finisher mm-hmm. he's like the x-ray machine at Heathrow Airport <laughs> because that's where you got to go through to go to London yep. you got to go through Heathrow he is like putting your luggage through the heat throw. They find everything. Loma hurts him. He will find everything. He will be like an x-ray machine. He will go through that baggage, through that body. He will find all the vulnerable places, all the things that, that, that need to be found to get rid of this guy. He will make sure his technique his mental state, his approach, his calmness, his confidence, all of that makes for Loma to be a tremendous finisher. Yeah, he brings the heat. That's part of it. He brings the pressure, but smart pressure. Again, like, like the bag going through that machine. He breaks it all down. He finds all the weaknesses, all the crevices, all the cracks, everything. If we ever went through Heathrow Airport with you, we'd be stuck for three hours because they find all that healthful junk <laughs> in your bag. That's right. 
Right or wrong? Yeah, probably. They would find stuff, nuts and greens and stuff. There. What, what? We got something here. C come over here with us. And it would take us three hours to get the hell out of there. When they see my passport says I'm 80 years old, they're going to be like, this guy's got to be on some kind of exotic drugs. Yeah. <laughs> no, now yeah. someone's going to write a comment and be like, Ken looks really good for 65. <laughs> yeah, and hurt his feelings. You should never yes, hurt his feelings. very he's good, insecure. He's a good person. Parents. He bought me a pair of sneakers today. And he was worried about the my footing in the ring. We're working with with Alex, and he he went and bought me a pair of sneakers to give me more support. And I appreciate that. We need it. We need you to get to the uh. St we need you to get to the start line just as healthy as the fighter. Well, you know, I see this fight. <laughs> Campbell is the boxer. Campbell is taller. He's longer. He's leaner. Um. He was smaller in the amateurs. He was a weight class below. So, Bantamweight in the yeah. uh, London games, uh, four, four, uh, six pounds lower than, uh, four pounds lower than um, Loma. Loma was at 122. Campbell was at 118. Both gold medalists, 2012. Yeah, he, he's structurally, you know, physically a, a, a little bit of smaller guy. Uh, he, he's not, you know, he doesn't have the physicality, not that Loma is Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. but he doesn't have the physicality of him. Uh, he's tall, he's long. He likes to fight on the outside. He likes to use, he's a southpaw. Uh, they're both southpaws. You have two southpaws in this matchup. And he'll look to control range. He'll look to use the jab, you know, to to set things up. And he'll look to be kind of like the kid at the beach when you're at the beach with your kids, you have a beautiful family, and they're making sand castles. And they make the sand castles, and then they got to move them because the shore starts, the water starts coming in a little more. And then the water, they got to move them again because the tide comes a little higher. Well, that's what this fight is. You come in, Campbell stands on the outside, you come in six inches, he goes back ten. You come in eight inches, he goes back 12. And he tries to keep that gap, and he'll try to counter, and he'll try to do that until he can't do it no more, until the tide comes in. Because sooner or later, those poor sandcastles, what happens? They get washed out. Mm -hmm. They get collapsed. The ocean catches them. Well, the ocean in this case is Lomachenko. He eventually collapsed that sandcastle. He'll get in, and he'll be able to attack that slender body. You know, it's great to be the taller guy on the outside, but that means there's more body to attack. You're taller, you're slender, well, there's there's more target, more surface to hit with downstairs. Um, sticking to the water metaphors, Loma will put water in the basement of Mr. Campbell, and he will close the gap. His pressure, his technique... There's two ways to get to a taller guy. A lot of people know the one way. Move your feet forward, move your head, use your jab, come in behind the jab, you know, behind the protection and, you know, the cover of the jab. And move your head, move your feet, slip inside the jab, get inside, close the gap. That's the conventional way. The other way is, that's less conventional, is that, believe it or not, step back. And tempt the guy, persuade the taller guy to give up his height, to come forward. And then you counter him. You get him to become shorter on his own, to allow him to make himself available to you. Loma could do it either way. He'll do it with the pressure, but he could do it either way. Um, again, I see, I just see at the end of the day, the slender Campbell only being able to stay in the geography that he needs, which is on the outside, so long. I think that at the end of the day that Loma will Loma will get to him. Yeah. Uh, he will get to him and, you know, he, he will once again. It's I mean, look, as great as Loma is, there's no interest in that fight over here. No. I mean, let's face it. That's why it's over there, because over there, again, I love yous, right? How's the darts going? I love yous. And I'm joking. I'm kidding. I'm not, 
being mean or anything. But but again, you don't have all the other things that we have over here. You don't have the LeBron James and the Steph Curry and the Tiger Woods and the Tom Brady and and blah 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 blah. You know all of those things. You you have so boxing becomes bigger. Uh, you you're able to identify, make them stars. You know, and you have snooker, you have darts, cricket, Crick, cricket, cricket. Yeah, they play a lot of it over there. Yeah, no, you have cricket. And um, and then you have obviously soccer, the the world sport, mm-hmm. you know. But again, that fight would not be big as great as Loma is. That fight would not be enticing. It would not be a seller over here to the extent that it is there. And it's good. It's it's gonna have a lot of interest with Loma and with Campbell, you know, nationality. You know, nationalism involved. A lot's been made about their common opponent in Jorge Linares. As uh, everyone knows, Jorge Linares had uh, Lomachenko down at one point before Loma stopped him convincingly with a uh, banged-up shoulder. And um, Campbell lost to Linares. He lost to Linares and Mendy. And, and he was he on the floor both times. And fights. he avenged the loss to Mendy. But um, a yeah. lot of people in social media, media um, in the president saying, oh, uh, Campbell is a live dog, which maybe he is. I just don't see it. I, I like you, I think that Loma is going to run him over. And I know the people are going to kill me on uh, social media, but that's just what I think. I, I, I think Loma is going to be. I don't him think up. he's going to run him over that quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll argue that to the point that his style, the outside style, you know, it does take away a while, as I just said, for the ocean to catch up to the sandcastle. Yeah. You know, you can move that sandcastle three or four times before it finally gets washed mm-hmm. out. So I think he'll move his sandcastle three or four times before he gets washed out. But at the end, they think it'll get washed out. Um, well, before I get your prediction, I'd like to, in speaking of prop bets and uh, our sponsor, MyBookie, check them out, MyBookie.ag. If you had to bet, which round do you say Loma stops him? I'm going to say... Uh, late in the fight, I'm going to say nine. I'm going to say eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, and one of the other things that I think you have to calculate in here, you got the tall guy, he doesn't have any physicality, Campbell. So he's got to be perfect on the outside. He's got to be on point, controlling that race, setting up counters. And while there's a thin, long body to attack, there's also another thing that will cause him a problem. As I stated earlier, when you're the taller guy, there's an advantage to a certain extent on the outside if you're not a fight tall, if you're not to use it. But once a guy starts to close the gaps, there's a body exposure we just talked about. But there's something else. And you saw it in the Joshua Ruiz fight. That sometimes the taller guy, when the shorter guy gets close, the taller guy doesn't know how to become small. He doesn't know how to hide himself. And he stands tall. And now... There's no advantage. It's a disadvantage. Because now it's like having a tall building, a skyscraper, if you will, Mm -hmm. in front of a kid with a bucket full of rocks. (laughs) And you know what kids like to do when there's a skyscraper and there's a lot of windows and they got a bucket of rocks? They like to break the windows. Mm -hmm. They like to break the windows. And I think that Loma will get into that position where he will have a lot of windows to break with Campbell standing tall in front of him when he gets to that range, Mm -hmm. that he can do that, that he can throw those rocks. Yeah. Well, I think he breaks a lot of windows before the uh, start of the eighth round. So if I had to go out on a limb, I'm taking the under eight rounds. Is that what the line is? I don't know what the official over-under is on this one. We'll we'll check it out. But I think he stops him before the eighth round starts. I want to go... I want to say something. We're towards the end here. I want to go back and say something about the Kovalev fight sure. that I think is a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I'm a, if that's not being 
too presumptuous of me to talk about teaching moment. But just something that kind of goes against the old adage, uh, the old, just uh, the old beliefs, some of these things that are that are believed by people, um, where that you're stronger or you're, uh, you're, you have an advantage, you're more muscular. Mm -hmm. And I want to make up the point how it plays the other way. In the Kovalev fight, where I talked about Kovalev having the advantage with the jab, combinations, all that stuff, obviously experience, fighting better fighters, all that, I get it. But the other guy was throwing one punch at a time, wide punches. Yard was physically the superior guy as far as what we think of superiority, physically, bigger, more muscular, stronger. Kovalev, nowhere near that kind of body type. More subtle, subtle, more smoother muscles, longer muscles, um, not bunched muscles. Not as lean. Not, not, and not as lean and not, not nearly as bulk. Mm -hmm. I think the bulk that weightlifting look, if you will, of Yard played against him. And I'm a lover of the old timers. You know that. And the old time fight guys would never let you lift weights. Now, weight, weight training is very important in sports today. We, we have so much more available to us. The resources we have, the, the nutrition, the supplements, the legal ones. <laughs> um, the, the science, again, the technology, all these things, it, it's good if it's done right but not to the point of bulk, to the point of where, yeah, you can improve strength, but still continue to keep your flexibility, uh, your, your agility, your, your ability to be, to be able to move freely. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, again, where a lot of people match in their head, in their eyes, that I see a strong guy, a muscular guy, there might be some advantage there. In boxing, I think it played out. And the other things were at play, the experience, everything else, don't get me wrong. But it played out to show you that the guy with the silkier muscles, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, not the, the bulk, had the advantage of being able to have more of a flow where he was able to put punches together. He was smoother. He was... He was it was looser, mm -hmm. where I think some of the rigid, being rigid and and so bulked up, and look, it's a, also part of the technique and what he learned in the gym and didn't learn in the gym and what his style was, all of that. But I think that that played against Yard, where he wasn't as able to move his hands as smoothly with that kind of rhythm, wasn't able to be as relaxed with his punches, wasn't able to put punches together uh, the way that a guy with less muscularity was able to do. I think that was part of it. And I make that point because I think it's out there in the air. You know, this is a sport that's been around for hundreds of years, depending on where you track, you trace the the origin of the sport. And there's always been the argument, better to be strong and muscular-looking, you know, in certain things. But in boxing, again, the old-timers always thought it was better to, to not have that muscularity to that extent, to that level, yeah. that it could hinder you. Mm -hmm. And I thought that with everything that I think I touched on, I think I covered it all, I think that that was a little bit at play too that he was hindered a little bit as far as being able to let his hands go and be less prone to putting punches together than the guy that had that less muscularity, Kovalev, was able to do. I'm glad you came back to this because there was something I wanted to ask you that I completely forgot. And it's um, it was widely reported that during camp, Yard and his trainer, uh, Tunde Ajayi, they didn't do any sparring. They claim yeah. they didn't spar. Yeah. I don't believe around. it. No, I'm not calling anyone a liar. I just personally don't believe it. But 
Um, do I know for a fact? No. Do we know for a fact that what he's saying is is uh, correct? No. We don't know for a fact. We don't know for we just know he's saying that. But we don't know. No. Uh, nobody has said. You made a good point today. You said, well, I would think that you know, uh, if he didn't do any sparring, that maybe someone would have maybe seen it and would have said something. We haven't heard anything. Um, but they keep camps closed. You know, we got our camp closed. Mm-hmm. Not too many people would know what we're doing in there. Mm-hmm. So you can you can kind of keep the curtains tight on that. Yeah. So not necessarily would be out there, but I, I just find it, I really find it very difficult to believe. Well, speaking of which, there's another um, development, or not development, but another topic I want to... Unless, let me throw one thing in. Unless he was hurt going into the fight, and he couldn't spar. They were talking about it like it was a strategy to save him from taking punishment. Yeah, that's... And my point was, if you had one or two sparring partners coming through and hearing this in the press, that someone might leak. They're full of crap. I was sparring with him. But who knows? It seems unrealistic to me. I mean, if you're going to get up to bat in the Major League Baseball and never face live pitching. I just don't see how you can get better. But, hey, that's what they're claiming. Um, but one of the other topics I want to touch on you is uh, it's been reported also that Campbell hasn't been watching um, film on uh, Loma and that, that they, they don't believe watching film on the opponent or at least on, not on Loma. Um, what do you might scare on? them. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't watch it either. I hesitate to even ask you because I know your thoughts on film. You watch Friday the 13th, Freddy, come out there. <laughs> you don't watch that, do you? No. <laughs> I wouldn't watch Loma either. Would I you? don't blame him. Good idea. <laughs> Would you ever come go into a fight and prepare for a fight and not have your guy watch no. tape on the... No, but that's me. I know the answers, but I wanted to no, just that's ask fine. for the record. But that's me. Yeah. There's some people that don't believe in it. Oh, really? Yeah, there's some people that don't believe in watching film, and I get it. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because they're afraid that you get locked into one aspect of what you're watching, and he might do something else. Yeah. But I have a belief that there's consistencies in what guy's doing already. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, uh, th- there are... There are things that they're going to do continually. Tendencies. Tendencies. Just like picking up pitches Tendencies, from a pitcher in baby. baseball. And I want to be aware of them. Mm-hmm. That's all. I'm still going to be open to, you know, something. But I want to be aware of them. I want to be. I want to know what I'm looking at. I want to know what I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. What he looks like. What he does. What he likes. What he doesn't like. How he behaves. How he acts. Early. Middle. Late. I want to know everything I can know. So, but again, I, I see some guys, they're just going to take care of their guys. going to say, I'm going to make sure my guy's solid in all the areas he needs to be solid. Technically, physically, emotionally, I'm going to make sure that he's, he's where he needs to be, that he's doing the things that he needs to do to be the best he can be. As long as he's the best he can be, he can he'll, he'll adapt to what he has to adapt. He'll figure it out. He's got experience, you know, and he'll... He'll figure out what he's got to do, um, but he'll do it within the confines of his abilities. And I'll make sure his abilities are all A-level abilities going into that. I'll make sure that his jab is the best. I'll make sure he's jabbing at the right distance. I'll make sure that he understands all the rudimental things that you need to understand for him to be the best he can be. I'll make sure that his head movement is right. I'll make sure that his counter-punching ability is 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 keyed up. I'll make sure that all these things, and he'll have a chance somewhere along the line to be able to show these things. I will make sure my guy is doing the things that he's capable of doing and he needs to do to be the best fighter he can be. That's how they think. Mm-hmm. Just take care of that. I believe, yeah, I, I agree with them. I believe in that. But I also believe in being aware of what the other guy can do. Cool. Well, we'll be watching the fight Saturday night together and uh, follow Teddy on all the social channels. We'll be posting some commentary during the fight from Teddy's uh, Twitter handle. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Before I let you go, I just want to give a quick shout out to my bookie. Again, check him out on this weekend for all the uh, prop bets on the uh, Loma fight. And, of course, you got the NFL season starting uh, next weekend. We're all looking forward to it. So thanks again, mybookie.ag. Use the promo code ATLAS for 100% credit up to $1,000 on your first deposit. 
Teddy, thanks for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you too. And uh, just win, baby. Oakland Raiders. <laughs>